through the ages. The key to victory in the unceasing struggle for human freedom and security has been one man and his weapon. And it is no different today in the turmoil of a modern city as shadowy enemies brandish terror's bloody flag. And only the Batman and his sidekick, Sergeant Rock, can fight the small war of the Super Rifles! Welcome to The Brave and the Bob, Episode 1. As you know uh, from my intro, this show is all about The Brave and the Bold and Mr. Bob Haney. And as with all first episodes, you've got to bring out the big stars as a guest. So please welcome to the show, Tim Price. How are you, Tim? Hi, thank you so much for having me, Billy. Yeah, I'm glad to be here for your big show, your big guest. I can't wait to meet him. I wonder who it's going to be. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. There's a clue. <laughs> what? What? It's not me, is it? Oh it my is. gosh, the pressure! <laughs> I didn't know the pressure now is on. I no, I'm, I'm I'm very happy to be here. We haven't had a chance to podcast before. This is our first time talking. This is, and I have listened to you many times as well. First and foremost, as a guest, hopping around all over the interwebs, and then, of course, mm -hmm. on a show that you host, and we'll talk about that in a little bit here, but it's it's a Batman-centered title, uh, title as well, or at least it was in the beginning, and we right. definitely are going to talk about that uh, in a little bit. You know, that's uh, Batman and the Outsiders, correct? There, yes, it is. It, there is some relation between Brave and the Bold and Batman and the Outsiders. It's mm -hmm. uh, pretty uh, blatant. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So, but yeah, this title for me, Brave and the Bold, <laughs> I have a few single issues. I'd say maybe 20 or so. And then I realized, wait a minute, uh, it's going to take forever to try to collect the bulk or all of these issues. So is there an easier way of doing this? And I saw it. Oh, well, DC has these handy little trade paperbacks. So I bought volume one and volume two. And then I thought, Wait a minute. They also have omnibus editions. So what I did was is <laughs> buy volume two and volume three, the omnibus editions, and then the two trades uh, equal what came in the first uh, omnibus edition. So I basically have everything that is Batman centric and uh, a couple issues beforehand. But these are the ones that were really crazy. The ones before, you know, it took this a uh, little bit of a shift where a lot of them were just, you know, not insane but <laughs> right. once yeah. once those you know like i said the omnibus editions i think they started like issue like 70 something or other it's that it, mm. it started to get really crazy what do you think yeah gotcha mm -hmm. well my history with brave and the bold is 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 actually very uh as appropriate for talking with you very weird and mm -hmm. <laughs> just, it's not it's i don't remember where i first heard about it but my own comic book collecting of new comics started kind of late for my age because I had like um, when I was really young, my parents would get us the occasional like three bag, three comic bag from the toy store. Those Whitman mm -hmm. three pack samplers. We get the occasional things from that yep. for like trips for vacation trips. Mm. So something to fun to read there or um, idea. treasury edition <laughs> books. We get things like that. Mm. Um, and then when I was about in second grade. We had a next door neighbor who had this slew of old comic books that he was just going to give away because what he had done was he had gone to the local dime store and dumpster dove behind them to get all these comics. Because back in the day when dime stores and, you know, places like that bought books, sold, sold comics on the stands, 
you could get a refund for the comic by taking off the top third of the cover and mailing just that back to the publisher. But then you pick the rest of the comic book and throw it out. So he just was collecting all these things. Now they were all like, it was like 90% Archie. And, but there was a lot of, uh, Disney comics, uh, cartoon properties like Tom and Jerry and Woody Woodpecker, uh, Mm. the occasional gem, like, Magnus robot fighter and Turok wow. son of stone and things like weird, you know, um, gold key, the occasional gold key thing in there too. Almost no superhero books though. So that was kind of the thing. So I, I, but I read, there were thousands of these comics and to show where my life was going to go, we kept them in the basement and I basically spent my whole summer in the basement reading comic books. My, my father going like, go outside. <laughs> <laughs> no, kind of showed the path my future would take me. So, but so, uh, you know, but I had all these books, so I wasn't really, and I was still reading and rereading because there's so many of them. So it's like, I just hadn't gotten the bug on buying new comic books for quite some time until maybe I was 10. Um, and that'd be like late seventies. So then I'm like earning money from mowing lawns. Like, Hey, I can actually go to the Seven Eleven and buy comics. Cool. But so I didn't really get into brave and the bold really itself while it was on the stands. Um, I did get for one of those three packs. Um, had an issue number 157, which is Batman and Commandy, mm. where Commandy comes to the present <laughs> and is he, and like the cover's like, he's here on a mission to kill Batman. And it's like, it, it, it was a, as it's written by Bob Haney, dr- drawn by Jim Apparel, beautiful artwork by Jim Apparel, very possibly the first Jim Apparel artwork I ever saw and mm. loved this issue um at the end you know commandy goes back to the to the future not in a delorean and uh, <laughs> but it was a it was a great story um so and I, after that I, but i was starting to notice brave and the bold i just didn't pick up any of the issues but i was starting to see it on the stands i could see it i just you know but i was collecting some other things at the time um and you know then it turned into batman and the outsiders and which I, I was on from day one so i loving that series um but in college, I had a friend who was starting to get into selling comic books as a dealer. And I actually bought things from him and he sold me a bunch of Brave and the Bold. So I got a lot of Brave and the Bold from him. It's like like the Mr. Miracle issues and like a Supergirl issue. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a Metal Man in there more than once. So I got quite a few issues from that and definitely got a taste of Bob Haney from <laughs> those as well. Uh, so that's been a joy. And I, you know, um, I definitely have it. My mind is that a Brave and the Bold read on DCU Infinite is in my future. I'm just not sure exactly when I'm going to get to it, but I'm mm-hmm. definitely going to try to read as many as I can. I've already read very specifically um, the ones that have Batman and the Outsiders characters guest starring in it uh, for research. And this year I'm doing a Justice League of America reading project, one issue a day for 2022. And I started with the three issues in Brave and the Bold, because that was back when the series was more of a tryout and showcase kind of book where you didn't, where it's different like characters. And I think they even, sometimes they did a different character each month, but by this period they were doing like a certain theme, like for a few issues in a row, more like a, I think it's a tryout to see if they could spin off into its own series. So the three Mm -hmm. issues that introduced, introduced the Justice League of America were right there. So I've read those. Um, so, but yeah, a lot of, I, I've, it's odd to have nostalgia for something you haven't read, but that's how Brave and the Bold feels to me. You know, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that is 
I know I know some about it, and I just haven't done a big deep dive on it. But you know, you hear you hear that title, it's like, oh yeah, Brave and the Bold, and and just and the excitement of Batman teaming up monthly with some with who knows who. I've read so much Spider Man Marvel team up, love Marvel team up. Mm-hmm. So the idea of Batman teaming up too, love it, love the concept. So I want more. I just don't know when I'm going to have time. <laughs> <laughs> well, no better time than the present to start talking about Brave and the Bold, at least this one issue. So, yeah, for me, it, I think I looked, it was uh, issue 74 when it became the the Batman team-up book. And it was Batman mm, and, uh-huh. you, know, you know, someone else teaming up to, you know, if Bob Haney was writing it, do something absolutely absurd or insane, which is my favorite kind of comic. Or, you know, if it was another <laughs> writer... <laughs> Sometimes it was just, you know, a little more of a just a, a superhero team up tale. But, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> issue 124. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm da- calm down, Tim. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When people see this cover, they're like, what is going on here? And this is uh, from cover date January 1976. And it's a cover by Jim Apparel. And colors Woo. were Tatiana Wood and letters Gaspar Saladino. So, yeah. So this cover. um, why don't we try to describe what's going on in this cover? <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, we have uh, Jim Apparel himself at a drawing table drawing a cover for The Brave and the Bold and a hooded man with a machine gun pointed at his head saying, finish the cover, Apparel. Rock kills Batman or I kill you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Insane. Yes. <laughs> And then what Apparel is drawing on his drawing table is very blatantly looks like either the cover or a splash page from Brave and the Bold. And we see it's all just black and white. So it's just the pencils and inks um, Mm -hmm. where it says Batman and Sergeant Rock. So it's like we see the parallel of the actual cover um, logo on the comic and then this cover logo that matches it on his drawing panel. And there's. Sergeant Rock pointing a gun at Batman and there's a word balloon with nothing in it. And Batman's looking like, oh, don't shoot. And two hooded men behind him, which look just like the hooded man who's threatening a paro. And yeah, you go like. If you how can you look at this cover and not go, I want to know what is happening here. (laughs) Yeah, we have a paro sweating, too, like crazy Mm -hmm. (laughs) with the with the pen in his hand doing this cover. Oh, it's just great. It's crazy. You're just like. Like Haney's going full meta here, breaking the fourth mm-hmm. wall. He's he's going like wild here. I, I love this. And this is not a bait and switch. This is actually no, what, no. what you get, which is fantastic. It's it's not a silver that those <laughs> that silver age trope of the bait and switch, the the ultra dramatic, you know, Superman on the cover saying, I'm going to kill you or something on the cover. It's like no, that's not what's happening inside the book. But it's like it's no, you you're so you're wondering like, is this really what's gonna happen? Is something like this really related to what's gonna happen here? And you're like, no, yeah, it's exactly what's gonna happen. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I yep. love the detail on the drawing table. I love the push pins oh, that are yeah. holding the art in place. He's got the lamp that's got the arm. It, it's the Pixar lamp, people. If you know mm-hmm. the Pixar lamp, it's exactly what he has just bolted onto his table, pointing down to give it a nice spotlight on the artwork that he's drawing. You can see a few pages with written notes off to the side that he's put there. No doubt his script from uh, Bob Haney is what it's supposed to look like. It's just, it's just fantastic. It's a, it's a real world drawing. And mm-hmm. it also has so much drama on it because yeah, apparel, it looks, ex- is, if you're familiar with his way that he draws a, you know, nervous, sweaty person, 
Yeah. <laughs> he's, but he's, doing, he's doing himself, complete with receding hairline. He's not pulling punches and making himself look different. It's like, no, he's got receding hairline. He looks like a he look he probably looks like just like himself. It's amazing. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I love it too. And I love the DC, you know, it's a little redundant, but they have the logo up top here and it says Brave and the Bold, Batman and Sergeant Rock and the line of DC superstars. I love that part. And then it says the Brave and the Bold mm -hmm. presents. So it's got the Brave and the Bold twice on there. So I'm like, they really want you to know right. this is the Brave and the Bold. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that makes it three times because it's mm -hmm. in the banner and the logo <laughs> and the artwork that's on the pair. And Batman <laughs> and Sergeant Rock also three times. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, they want you to know exactly what's going on here. And oh, I love it, though. It's a fantastic mm -hmm. cover. I mean, you just, again, Aparo, he actually is my favorite DC artist. He, to me, is like. Oh, great. Yeah, in, yeah. Overall, my favorite comic book artist is Gene Colan. And he's definitely, obviously, my mar favorite mm. Marvel artist. But Aparo yes. kind of reminds me of him. There's a little bit of similarities there, I feel like, in their work. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they both have a lot of dynamism to them. That mm -hmm. I that's what I that's what I feel like. I feel like Gene is um more abstract mm -hmm. and uh you get more of a mood. There's moodiness and uh he, he it's I think swirly when I think Gene Colon. You're gonna have foggy and imprecise sort of figures as well. Um and whereas apparel I think brings things out more starkly and cleanly. Yeah. Um but they both have a they both are very good at dynamics and emotion. So I can see that what, where uh, the liking one would let you like the other. That's great stuff. Yeah. And this one's called small war of the super rifles. <laughs> it's <laughs> script by Bob Zaney Haney and then pencils, inks and letters by Jim Aparo. And that was something he oh. did pretty frequently. If, if I'm correct, I think I I've seen that a lot in a lot of the yes. books I have that he did his own pencils, inks and letters in them, which is mm -hmm. again, that's that's he's doing the work of three people there. So that's he must right. have been quite a workhorse. Oh, yeah. I mean, he only started backing off from doing all of that maybe in the 90s. You know, wow. and the fact that he was still working in the 90s is amazing, too, in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, all the issues that I've covered for my podcast. Yeah, he's done the trifecta. And it, it's so effective because he with him doing the word balloons and the dialogue and lettering he really makes that work with the artwork ex exceptionally well. It's, yeah. you know, it, it, it just comes together as a full package in a way that sometimes doesn't when you have a separate team doing it. Not that they can't collaborate well, but sometimes, you know, letters especially can be really great yeah. on doing their stuff. But there's, there's that extra something that you feel when he's, cause he's really the artist himself. And like, I know exactly where I want the dialogue to be and where I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't see when I look at um, Mike's Amazing World, I don't see a credit for the colorist. Do you have to know who that is? You know, no, I do not either, because I'm looking at it, mm. you know, the, the specs on uh, comics.org, you know, and I just it's again, okay. color colors, question mark. I don't know. For some reason, they didn't keep good, uh, very good credit, you know, yeah, for who they did didn't. some stuff. This is true. Back then, they sure didn't. Um, that's a that's a darn shame because well you know I'm on now I'm on the digital so they you know the digital kind of has to retouch the colorings so it's not as I find it a little bit starker um, than the original the original has more subtlety yeah um, when printed on the because it had to be printed on that bad paper and yes. still look good and you know mm -hmm. the colorist who could make it look good on the bad paper is like oh how did they how did they do that is amazing if it was his partner Adrian Roy that he works with much later you know it's a it's a it would remind me of her work. 
but I'm not sure. Yeah, it's like you said, it's kind of a shame they didn't keep better records about that stuff. But I mean, right you now, yeah. I'm sure, you know, Jim Apparel, like I said, if he kept his own records or this or that, everybody knows he did a lot of pencils, inks and letters himself, too. So it's kind of an easy mm-hmm. one there. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's tough. I wish they would have done a better job of that because, uh, you know, those people deserve the credit. They, you know, they're due. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. But okay, so <laughs> small war of the super rifles. What an insane name for a, a, a story, too. But uh, so yeah, like I said, looking on uh, comics.org, it's great. It's characters: Batman, Sergeant Rock, James Gordon. Okay, then Jim Aparo, Bob Haney, Murray Boltonoff, <laughs> and then that's where you're just like, what? <laughs> but this 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 is true. We will get into it. This is true. And then the thousand which is, is the name of the crazy terrorist group in this one. And then uh, one of mm-hmm. my all-time favorite uh, names ever, General Omaha Mike Casey. <laughs> yeah. Omaha Mike Casey. It's like, <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll get to him in a minute too. Omaha here though, but Mike. Yeah, well, that's crazy. I'm thinking if he's not from Omaha, what's, where do you get, and he's a one-off too, by the way, because I thought, oh, he mm-hmm. must be a, a Sergeant Rock recurring kind of character. No, you can't find any information on him no matter what you do. Google search. All that pops up uh-huh, is gotcha. this issue. That's it. Nothing gotcha. else. So I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised. I was still I was still open to the idea that just just because I couldn't find it didn't mean that he wasn't a recurring character. But it's like, yeah, it sounds like that's the deal. So <laughs> it's all fine. Hey, it's all fine. What do you, what mm-hmm. do you need him for? But yeah, that's nope. a, Omaha Mike. I love that name. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. But uh, all right. So I'm going to unabashedly just, uh, you know, uh, borrow the uh, couple par- or a couple sentence synopsis here from uh, uh, Grand Comics database, and then uh, we can jump right into it. What do you think? Sounds great. All right. So the synopsis is: When a shipment of the military's new M76 rifle are stolen, Sergeant Rock is sent to track down the thieves. He teams up with Batman, uh, of course, <laughs> but both are aided by Jim Aparo, Bob Haney, and Murray Boltonoff. Uh, who write the story down so the good guys win. <laughs> and that's pretty much what happens here, and we're going to get into it. It's uh, it's it's craziness. This this comic is absolutely crazy, starting with the opening splash page. So what do you think of this page? Oh, it's a big old gunfight, and it's exciting. Uh, it's actually a pretty standard kind of action opening. Really love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the hooded men, similar to the hoods we saw on the cover are shooting their firearms, pow, pow, pow. And people are diving for cover. There's a dog jumping to the side. And the dog's face is an, an apparel <laughs> dog face, of course. He's worried. Like, ah! And it's like, <laughs> just, that's wonderful. And there's an old guy who's like diving for cover in the front. It's like, oh man, he needs to get out. And then the old guy takes off his face because it's actually Batman in disguise where he's wearing his Batman mask under the latex face. Of course. Because Batman... Uh, <laughs> this this is one of my favorite tropes, and I think a common yes. friend of ours, uh, Doug from Bronze Age Babies, he mm-hmm. loves this. So anytime I see a panel like this, I mm-hmm. always send it to him. I always DM it to him because he's just like, there look at go. this, look at this ridiculousness. And I'm like, yeah. So Batman's little ears of his costume wouldn't stick mm-hmm. up with this person's mask over his face. Like, what yes. in the world? <laughs> yes. I, I love this trope. It's he'll, it makes no sense. It is bonkers. And I love mm-hmm. it. Oh, I mean, great. he still does. And he still does it in the eighties. It's not like it's just a silver age thing or bronze. No, he's still doing it in the eighties. It is mm-hmm. amazing. But mm-hmm. you know, now my brain goes, well, wait, 
if the mask is rubber and he's wearing his Batman costume under that, what about the hands and arms? Are those Bruce Wayne's hands and arms or are those also latex and his Batman glove is under the arms? I, I, oh. <laughs> oh, oh my it gosh. My, it's it. You, you, this is why you don't think about them too much no. because it's like, uh, that's, but he's also turns into his Batman costume so fast. I go, it could be either way. I don't know. <laughs> well, the yeah. Page, the next page, he's in full Batman gear. So, yep, he's out of it, it already. <laughs> getting all, getting his costume on in that shorter span, I don't think he could do it. But nope. tearing all that superfluous stuff off, maybe. Well, you know, take off, take off most of the, all the most of his costumes underneath. Just tear it all, tear off the the civilian clothes, his gloves, tucked his belt. Flip, flip. Oh, they're on. Good to go. But it still kind of goes like. I don't know. There was a you could see pretty far up those arms in that page one. So maybe he was wearing his. That, I don't. It's, it's <laughs> logi- logistics are an, are an interesting question. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is one where once you see that opening splash page, you just immediately say to your brain, "Suspend belief," and you just go from here. <laughs> Wait, suspend belief. I thought that comic books were completely realistic and based in re- the real world. <laughs> I want realism in my comics. And I love Batman on the front page, on the opening splash there too, as he pulls that mask off. Murdering rats. I was waiting for you this time. <laughs> Murdering rats. <laughs> oh man. How long was he in that costume, in that uh, disguise then? If he was waiting for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, oh, hour, but yeah, hours, Batman. days, weeks. <laughs> yeah. Batman's. Re- oh yeah. But yeah. I love that too. It's like, oh yeah, he's, he's so mad. He's so mad. Mm, yeah. And, Haney dialogue is great too. That was a good one. And the next mm-hmm. page, you know, like you said, he's he's in full bat costume and he's jumping out of the way so he doesn't get run over. And it, or he's jumping on top of the car. I'm sorry, with the hoods in it. And he says, "These hooded creeps have really got the cops outgunned. Where'd they get such firepower?" <laughs> That's mm-hmm. great. Mm. And then he, they yeah. drop one of the guys off, and Batman goes after him. I love the center panel on this page. This is part one called Bloodhound in khaki. Like, mm-hmm. oh. What is that? We'll find out. Uh, <laughs> but in the center panel, the gunshots are coming up through the car roof and Batman dives back and he's doing this great ballet kick to get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, they almost blew his nuts off here. It's like, it's, watch out, Batman. <laughs> it's it's pretty great. Son I'm, of the demon is gone now. Love Sorry. <laughs> just love it. Mm, yeah, oh, but, those... there's a, but there's a problem on that on the very next panel to the right of it, because there's Batman's shadow, but it, it looks like a Batman shadow. I thought that, you know, when he's Bruce Wayne, he has the Batman shadow. <laughs> and so what, as Batman, he should have the Bruce Wayne shadow, right? Mm-hmm. That's how that should work, right? Absolutely. I, it's just science. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, as, I'm sorry. That's one of my that's one of my things. <laughs> yeah, that Watching panel. for how the shadows look and, and treating the shadows as though they're actually happening and not artistic choice. <laughs> and then when he almost got shot there too i'm spotted time to unload <laughs> it's un- time to unload what time to unload <laughs> so great but yeah the guy tries mm. to shoot batman and what is in batman incredible that rifle he's firing it's more like a machine gun and all of a sudden he's like what gives he must be out of ammo or he'd blast away and i'll rush him and he goes running out of the alleyway there to try to like like he said rush the guy and mm-hmm. you hear this whoomph sound effect and he goes huh <laughs> and then what happens? He comes out. Hmm. He sees him there. He's killed himself, or rather, the gun exploded. Mm-hmm. I love now it. I do love that. I do love the off-panel explosion with that one because they're uh, at least in the version on the digital, they do a great job of showing like the movement of 
light and, mm-hmm. and fire or whatever. That's just like it's like streaking behind and in front of Batman. It's like, dang, that's really great. Yeah. And as the gritty dust settles and like I said, he, he killed himself or rather his gun exploded. He's like the piece of this barrel. Yeah. It's it's greasy. And uh, <laughs> all it's very grim. You, from, you behind. This, from this beginning, <laughs> say, say, uh, a few panels that this is just a grim and gritty um, action adventure story. Mm-hmm. You yeah. that's what that's what you're we're being led complacently to think that it's just gonna be a standard shoot em up. Yeah, because we don't know anything about these guys with the guns yet either. And we're going to find no. out a little bit more about mm-hmm. them. They're a little bit bigger of a deal than just, you know, a couple of small time hoods with guns. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. somebody sneaks up behind Batman and says, never call a rifle a gun. It's a rifle, a weapon, a piece, a soldier's best friend. And that ain't grease. That's Cosmoline. All new rifles are packed in it. Batman. What? Rock, you old son of a rifle. <laughs> son of a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh yeah. thank you haney oh mm. and soldier not soldier it's not spelled soldier mm-hmm. it's spelled s-o-j-e-r so you know yeah rock yeah, is not, not sh- giving up his his sergeant roots yeah and i'm not sure where, where rock's from maybe they're trying to get some accent across there but <laughs> soldier yep. i'm like okay <laughs> what in blazes are you doing here hi up mm-hmm. that buddy because <laughs> they oh, that's have been funny partnered up a couple of times before this um yes you know, crazy mm-hmm. crazy adventure so they they know each other but uh you know then they it's that the, the the crime investigation is on here and then we have a uh, rock he basically tells batman what's going on with these uh crazy uh guns that these guys are using that they were some mm-hmm. kind of a mil- military grade thing and they got hijacked and that's when we meet uh omaha mike <laughs> when he's giving right. rock his orders <laughs> right love that part <laughs> so well good. i i did a little bit of looking in on the m76 because that's the model rifle they talk about mm-hmm. and there actually are a few rifles called that um but from the timelines that that they're in use it i'm thinking the most likely one is the zastava m76 which is a yugoslav sniper mm. rifle okay. so that could be it um or maybe the messier 76 um, but it's like, oh no, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. I'm looking at the stupid disambiguation on, on Wikipedia and it fooled me. That's not a, <laughs> there's also <laughs> a Valmet, a Valmet M76, which is a Finnish gas operated assault rifle. Um, the thing that really, that it's described as most like a Smith and Wesson, but that was actually like out of use by the time this story came along. So it wouldn't have been an up and comer, gotcha. but you know, also it's like M76 just sounds cool. So I'm yes. sure I wouldn't be that surprised at all if Bob just saw that somewhere. It's like M76. Oh, that sounds cool. And didn't care about, you know, if it's being used in currently or not or whatever. But yeah, yeah there's, there's like four or five different models of, of rifle that are called M76s. So, yeah, it, you know, just whatever one this one happens to be. It could be any of them. And um, general. I like how he says general, too. It's G-E-N-R-L. General. 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 <laughs> Omaha, Mike. Omaha, Mike. <laughs> Yeah. And they have a little talk about, you know, what's going on and how important these things are, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, I do like how uh, Omaha Mike does say to Rock. So I'm assigning you as a one man commando force with special combat authority. And he says, every GI who ever fought for Uncle Sam's counting on you. Bring back those stolen rifles, Rock. And he says, yes, sir, General. And I thought, one man commando force and special combat authority. What does that exactly mean? What kind of authority does he have here? 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know, except that maybe he's got now 007, but they don't call it that in the <laughs> United States. License to kill, perhaps? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, but th- yeah, it's like, Rock's not a young man by this point. No, he looks he's, like he's 60. <laughs> yeah, he and that from, you know, it, if we went by the year this was published and everything, and keeping him in World War II, it's like he ought to be in his 60s by now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that tells one kind of the craziness about the fact about having rock do stories like this, which are very action heavy at that mm-hmm. age. But also you kind of go like, dang, rock's a badass. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He's not, mm-hmm. he's not slipping at all. Um, and Hayne, uh, Jim Apero does a really good job of even like making him look, giving him some age, but still making him look good. You know? Oh yeah. He still looks tough. Like he's ready to fight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now that panel under the yeser general, uh, is a little montage of rock investigating. And I love the bit that it unintentionally looks like that rock is balancing on the top of a fence when he's kicking that one door open because it's like, his, it's, it's supposed to be a different scene. Like he's mm-hmm. brashing through one thing. And then there's another scene where he's chasing a guy past this fence, but it almost looks like he's balancing as he kicks with kicks through the door. His, his other foot's <laughs> obscure. So he's like, I'm just on my, I'm just on my balance beam over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unintentionally. I think it's what that was supposed to be, but like, <laughs> It just yeah. that just that just tickles me, and then where his foot is like kicking at, like there's like a, you know, a little right there, like yes, <laughs> he's kicking it in. Yeah, it's like funny. <laughs> that apparel explosion look, right? Mm-hmm. It's just little little yellow starburst behind the foot. It's like yeah, that's that he hit that hard. Yeah, and then on the next Love page, it. we finally get to the point where they're saying, you know, hey, all these guns were stolen, and mm-hmm. we we find out from Batman that there's like this terrorist group calling themselves the thousand and supposedly because there's mm-hmm. a thousand of them. So it, we right. kind of get the idea like, Hey, it just wasn't a couple of small time hoods. It's this much mo- mm-hmm. more well-organized group of a thousand crooks and criminals, whatever you want to call them terrorists. And uh, mm-hmm. they're like, wow, this is going to be pretty bad. You know, if we don't figure this out, what's going on here. And <laughs> then we get a commissioner Gordon uh, cameo here too. Yep. Mm-hmm. I like the, the, you know, I'm not, I'm going to try not to get through every last little thing of these, but Jim Apparel just keeps putting in little Easter eggs here and there, like the graffiti on the wall of the buildings as they walk by. You mm-hmm. see that there's a 1506 Nix Nix that, that, that Batman's walking right in front of. <laughs> yeah. I looked that up. That's a thing. Uh-oh. That's from, that's from a comic strip called Smokey Stover. Mm, interesting. And. Yeah, and that was just—it's a nonsense phrase. They—they they, that's a, one of the bits. Is that from the comic strip? It's a nonsense phrase, but it's just one of their things that they had in that comic strip. Uh, it was popular enough to get collected into comic books too at the time. So he, so that's you know either Apero or Haney being fans of that comic strip, they slipped in a little nod to it there. Oh, I'm not really sure what cool. the yeah, I'm not sure what the Tommy and Liz thing is supposed to be down there, but that's you know yeah. it could be anything. <laughs> there's there's lots of uh. uh uh, popular actors and actresses that could be referring to as well, uh, or just friends. Yeah. Now, and that the thousand it's like, we've had more than one organization in DC comics called the thousand. Um, oh there was also the hundred, which was debuted in black lightning. Okay. I think that's, I think that's around the same time as this, but maybe more like after it was some, it, it happened, it happened, you know, Black Lightning was a victim of the DC implosion, and I never can remember what year that takes place in. Um, and I think it was like seventy-eight, maybe seventy-eight, okay. maybe. Okay, okay, so that would have been that possibly could have been after this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they had the hundred, and 
another and like there was a thousand that showed up in booster gold's first series and mm-hmm. but that thousand claimed to be a predecessor no no a, a successor to the hundred but I think that then the hundred came back as their own thing later anyway. So it's like, Hey, you know, so this is not the, but interesting for this. And this is not the first thousand, but I think that none of these thousands necessarily are any connection between each other until Grant Morrison gets a hold of it and comes away with it for Jeff Johns decides how to, you know, central, uh, um, tie it all together in one big, big uh, continuity. That's the next big Marvel event. The thousand, <laughs> the thousand thousand coming this summer. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, so, so uh, we get we get Jim Gordon love just just one panel of Jim Gordon. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's and it. I love how Apparel draws Jim Gordon, but yeah, he's basically mm-hmm. useless and no help. And Batman's like, you know, oh, we don't even have a solid clue. And I like how Rock says, "Correction, Cape Crusader. I found this <laughs> on that dead bozo, a key to a bus terminal locker. A dead bozo. I'm dead like, wow. bozo. <laughs> Rock so. is so sympathetic." Yeah, so then they go to the bus terminal to, you know, use this key to open a locker. And then uh, here's where, you know, we really start to get crazy. So as mm-hmm. they're, you know, opening the locker, you turn the page and there's Jim Aparo at his desk drawing. <laughs> yes, he's taking mm-hmm. a break. It, mm-hmm. And he's like, huh, this next page says that Batman and, and Rocket killed. That can't be right. I'll have to mm-hmm. go check with, I'll have to fix that. And two of the gang break into Jim Aparo's house. <laughs> Telling him, draw what it says. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's and Paro realizes, oh, you're some of the gang from the story. You changed the script while I was out of the room. Yeah, bright boy. Now draw. <laughs> it's great. It's like, what the freak is happening here? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> but I like how to Aparo notes as he's like, you know, oh, I think I'll take a break. He's these brave and bold scripts are toughies. And then he says, what's that crazy writer done now? I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) that's great. In addition to there being like all these thought, uh, uh, narration boxes around here too. Mm -hmm. It's like, how didn't the narration boxes fit in when are we? And it's like, it's as, as typical for Haney, continuity is not the most important thing. A, A fun story is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. But there's like, is this supposed is this supposed to be Earth Prime? But it can't be Earth Prime because it's the same gang that's in the story. <laughs> but is he drawing the story after the thing has happened? Because like like the Marvel trope that uh, that She-Hulk series covered extremely well of saying like, you know, all of our adventures get get uh, recorded and re- and drawn up into comic books. And, you know, and the money goes to charity in, in the universe. So that's how the comic books are all known. So they have that trope <laughs> there. But this is like, no, this has this not happened afterwards because the gang is still a threat. And they're mm-hmm. trying to and they're trying to get Batman and Rock killed. But it's but he's drawing the story <laughs> and the story has been the story has been written and he's supposed to. Ah, <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. So does do does apparel have to draw Batman and Sergeant Rock getting killed for them to get killed in reality here? Or right. what would happen if apparel's like, no, I won't draw that, and they have a gun? Of, what happens if they shoot apparel? Can they still go shoot yeah. Batman and Rock and kill them too? Or does a fill-in artist have to do it? <laughs> but, like what? And in how the is apparel? How is apparel getting drawn into his own story? 
He's yes. in the story. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> oh, I love once, that too. Once this, he, once this page happened, I mean, I, I heard about this story um, just really relatively recently, you know, like just a couple of years ago, and read it as soon as I could on DCU Infinite. And this page, the analyzing no prize brain works against you when you get to this page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you have to just like, oh, that's nuts, and just accept that it's nuts and go on, and you and it's fun. When I let myself think about it, because my brain wants to think about it, I've been trained by comic books of by decades of comic book reading to think about these things and come up with explanations, and it's gonna just make your brain hurt. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I, but I love it. I love it. This I don't know where I probably saw this cover online many years ago. I want to say at least. 10 or 15 years ago, I saw this cover and I was like, I need to get that comic. And I probably <laughs> bought it more than five, less than 10 years ago is when I bought the single issue. This is, this might even be one of the first single issues I ever bought of Brave and the Bold, just because again, it's mm-hmm. absolutely bonkers. I love it. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm. And then, yeah, I, the, I the, perfectly. the hooded guy is a uh, make a paro nervous or on te- or intentionally he snaps his pencil and he's like, Oh, I broke my pencil. And he's like, you two made me nervous. I have more in the storeroom. And they say, we checked. It's got no exit. Okay, get yourself another pencil, but don't break it or we'll do some breaking ourselves. And part part two, <laughs> the long night. And yeah, there was an exit. All right. There's like a ventilation yeah. thing and <laughs> apparel hops out and <laughs> runs away. And this is the, and this part two is absolutely insane. So apparel is like, I got to get away from these killers. And, and if terrorists. I draw, if I draw them, if I draw Batman and rock dying, it'll kill them. So I've got to, I've got to get out of here. And yeah, so he intentionally breaks the pencil. So it's like, yeah. he's saving, he is, his drawing is saving <laughs> Batman and Sergeant Rock's lives. <laughs> yeah. I as love in how... their live lives, not as in, in a, DC a Universe book. continuity. Yeah. It's their, <laughs> yeah. I love how he breaks out of that ventilation thing though. And the two terrorists are like, he's gone. We're in big trouble. We've got to report this to number one. And then we see a paro. In a boat with an outboard motor buzzing towards a lighthouse. And it says, not yes. long after, a small boat churns out into Long Island Sound. And he says, my pal Chuck lives in that abandoned, reconditioned lighthouse. I'll hide there. The police would never believe my story. So Darn right, think- they wouldn't believe your story. <laughs> yeah, they'd We're be like, you're, it. we don't believe it. <laughs> you're on acid. You're getting locked up or mushrooms or something here, Jim. But he says, oh my, my pal, he says, my pal Chuck. Any idea who he might be referencing there? I have no idea. I've tried to do a little bit of looking, but I'm my knowledge of the creators of this era is just not that great. So I'm not sure who this is supposed to be. I, it could be anything from a personal friend to a professional that we just can't pull out. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't my brain, think of a Chuck Charles from that era yeah, artist. Yeah, I mean, my, my brain immediately filled in Chuck Patton just because of his well, JLA connections. Yeah. But Chuck was too young. He wouldn't have been in comic books yet. I mean, he was, no. he, was a, he was much younger than this. So, um, yeah, he this was long before Chuck Patton's career started. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it wouldn't have been him. Um, if it was him, I don't see how I don't really understand how that would have worked. But um, no, but he must be an artist, yeah. whoever Chuck is, because Chuck must right. be away. His drawing supplies, just what I need. So, yeah, luckily he can get to his table quick and mm-hmm. draw Batman opening the door of the locker, but as Rock says, it's been booby-trapped, but luckily, Aparo drew them dodging out of the way of the uh, bomb or whatever that's 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Rock says it's just an old man's old fighting man's sixth sense because Batman. It's like, how did you know? Because <laughs> Arrow <laughs> drew it. That's how he knew. Like, oh my gosh. Oh, it's so crazy. Oh man. And then how about that panel too on top of page yeah. eight where you know Arrow's drawing Batman in the comic book here? That's pretty right. cool. And he's like, that wipes out our only lead. What next? <laughs> yeah. So I love that way that works of continuing the story on the drawn page mm-hmm. to keep the narrative going there for Batman and rock and blending it into a Pero's own story at the same time. You get both at the same time in one panel. Mm-hmm. That's really efficient storytelling. And then here we go to a, uh, he says, I wish this is a Pero speaking to himself, uh, answering Batman saying, you know, in his comic that he's writing, right. What yes. next? He says, I wish I knew Batman. The script's back with those hooded men, and I'm not the writer. And he goes, of course, I'll call Bob Haney. So here we go. (laughs) This is great. Oh, man. The phone rings apparently at Bob Haney's house. Hello, Jimbo. What's on your mind? (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is great. And he uh, apparel then uh, tells him about the hooded men and the story. And that's unbelievable. Easy. We'll figure a way out. And he goes, this is Bob Haney now. Those terrorists don't know where you are, Jim. So sit tight while I call Murray, as in Murray Boltonoff, the editor, to get his mm. okay on our next move. And I'm thinking to myself, I doubt Bob Haney was calling Murray Boltonoff to figure out what the next uh, thing that happened in a comic is. But okay, why right. not? <laughs> so he does call Murray Boltonoff, and uh, I love what it says. Shortly, somewhere in Long Island's vast suburban sprawl. And we see, you never see his face. You only see him from behind. And, Right. Mm -hmm. Answers the phone and Bob, what's that? The thousand they're on to us trying to keep Batman and rock from exposing them. Sure. Feed Jim, whatever it takes to turn the tables on the rats. (laughs) So Murray's even aware now (laughs) he's in a comic and they're writing a comic to stop something happening in real life. (laughs) My gosh. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) Mm, Insanity. But yeah, then he gets a, what does he say? Hello, Jim. Okay, here's our next sequence. And he says to Jim, what we're going to do. And right. Carol starts drawing it. And then, of course, we get a little more of the story here. Batman and Rocker. You know, I guess they find some of the empty shells from the guns. And they're like, oh, there's a. we need to check the gun shops around here to see if there's any like them. And, of course, in no time flat, they find out the exact gun shop where these guys got their shells. And you know, they uh, Batman lies in wait here and see some shady-looking character go into the gun shop, come back out. And Batman, just mm-hmm. a minute. And the guy turns around and pulls a handgun on him. And Batman says, oh, oh Magnum Force, which, you know, was a Clint, <laughs> Clint Eastwood movie that came out three years before this comic, two, three years before this comic. It's like, yeah, and that, that line right there is like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? Oh, Magnum ba- Force? <laughs> yeah, just, just saying just saying it out loud, like an expression of Magnum Force. It's like, <sighs> <sighs> so weird. That's so funny. <laughs> It, it's really like it should be a it would normally be a Robin line. Mm. Holy Magnum Force, Batman. Mm, I would say yeah. that. But you know, for <laughs> Batman himself to say it, it's kind of like, what? Uh, Robin's but, rubbing off on Batman, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then he dives at the guy and the guy gets off three shots point blank. Doesn't affect Batman. And he tackles the guy and clobbers him. And he's like, what's going on? How did mm-hmm. he miss miss me? And the uh, gun shop owner says he didn't. I sold him blanks for that licensed Magnum. I had a hunch he might use it on you and batman 
Thanks. We need more citizens like you. <laughs> what? Who would say yes. this? <laughs> yes. Oh more God. citizens like you who who will who will uh you know not not oh. do what your not sell your customers what they ask what they pay for. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And he's like, wonder That's how right. Rock is making out. And it says, not too far away, the grizzled six striper prowls the streets. And he's just walking around aimlessly, trying to help out right. by walking mm -hmm. around aimlessly. And he says, I feel stupid just hoping these mugs show themselves for my convenience. And he's like, hey, that army truck, possibly some GIs heading back to camp after furlough. And he's like, whoa, this ain't no army vehicle. It's got civvy plates on it. And he jumps onto the back of it and goes now, flying in. <laughs> now, does he jump on the back? Now, that, since it's all in one panel, you know, it's of him grabbing onto the back while he's saying this ain't no army, army vehicle. But did he really see it first and then jump on? Or did he jump on first and then see, oh, yeah, these aren't civvy plates. And that's how he was able to see them because he was grabbing on. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, I'm getting the impression maybe the truck was, like, slowly driving by him. And he right. quick looked at it. But the panel that's drawn where he's hanging onto the back, he is looking where the plate would probably be. So, yeah, yeah. that is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, maybe this is just me, but I have obviously read too much Marvel with Nick Fury. So it looks weird to me for rock to have a cigarette. And mm. I just, I just don't know. I don't know enough rock. So I don't know if this really is like his style or anything, but you know, I have the cliche and well, and Omaha Mike did had the cigar, mm -hmm. which is just my cliche of thinking. That's what a guy like rock would have instead. It's a cigar, not a cigarette, but I don't know. It mm -hmm. just, uh, it just, I know that's probably my own problem. So, but it just mm. makes me go like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then on the very next page, as he swings in, there's a couple of the hooded men there. I'm sorry, three of them. And it's combat time, he says. <laughs> That's, yes. <laughs> what? He punches one of them and then, but he takes a. All a sergeants, all sergeants need a catchphrase. Apparently, mm, I guess yeah, that's he, the number one thing. That's what you get out of basic training. First thing. All right. First thing you all have to do. Work on your catchphrases. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he's that's uh, the guy. not a catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, but he he uh, doesn't. Uh, he gets hit from behind by one of the butts of a gun, knocked completely unconscious. And they're driving over a bridge, you know, over a, a railroad tracks. So mm -hmm. as they're driving over, they chuck him out. And it's probably about a 15 or 20 foot drop, at least, I would say, trying to look at the panel here. But at at least it's yeah, a high so, drop. But <clears throat> luckily, he lands first, the uh, chest first onto the railroad tracks. And one of his uh, chest uh, pins there, badges, poked into his chest and woke him up just in time as a screeching train is about to run him over and he can roll out of the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. What? Because that worked. Mm. <laughs> there is so much wrong <laughs> with, with how that happened. <laughs> with, with ex not, with, not with him waking up, but with the explanation of this is why he woke up. It's like, what? And also the fact <laughs> that when you've been dropped that far and not being hurt, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you're still being in good enough, you're still being, uh, feel okay enough to get out of the way of a train that's just, you know, feet away from you. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, none of this works. It doesn't make any sense. And the explanation doesn't make any sense. But it, at the end of the day, it's not supposed to make sense, <laughs> really. <laughs> no, nope, I will say all. that the, the thud sound effect, I love that thud sound effect when he gets hit 
on the back of the head with the gun barrel. I'm sorry, the rifle barrel. My mistake. I'm sorry, Rock. Rifle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because it's thud with two Ds. Thud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're dri- driving the point home. And he's funny. He mm-hmm. then says to himself, it's like somebody's playing Guardian Angel for the old Sarge. And when you go to the next comic book page, it says three Guardian Angels rock named Jim, Bob, and Murray. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But we finally get to see the hoods here at their uh, home base. And there's a number. the number one terrorist guy is sitting. It almost looks like he's at a kissing booth at a carnival. And it has a sign above, and it says, 1,000 dedicated men can change the world. Terror is power. <laughs> I'm like, okay, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that is a look. That's most definitely a look. Now, do you think the thousand, like other groups, have a number for every single person in the group? Oh, yeah. Uh, number two, three, four. Yeah, two through 99 is definitely the, all these guys' names. It's not like Joe or definitely. anything like that. No way. <laughs> definitely. It's like, yeah, and, and it's like, dr- Apero is drawing them out of trouble, thwarting us at every turn. But leader yeah. one, we've got the script. Idiots. Apero's obviously in contact with Haney, the writer. <laughs> Yeah, we so not, stop that. Yeah so, yeah, so not only are we the readers, <laughs> do we know everything that's going on here? And Haney, Aparo, and Boltanoff know what's going on here. Number one, the number one terrorist also knows who Jim Aparo and Bob Haney are, and mm-hmm. that they're the ones stopping them from uh, ruling the world. Just think about that for two seconds and then just stop thinking about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. It's craziness. <laughs> oh. You love, oh, love it. Just have to love it. Apparel's back on the phone, and he's like, yeah, Bob, I got that. Rock's on his way to police HQ to check with Batman. What happens next? And he's like, Bob, are you still there? And we switch over to Bob uh, Haney here in his uh, secluded home, and uh, there's a car that drove, drove by twice now. Something's funny, and the dog starts barking, and the terrorists, they're here. So now the terrorists are after uh, Haney. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. my gosh, yeah. So great. Now, he grabs a rifle. <laughs> is there any surprise? that Bob Haney is a guy who would wear flannel <laughs> in his house in the deep in the woods mm-hmm. <laughs> with his dog and his own uh, and his own hunting rifle nearby is does anything about this scene look uh, surprise you in the slightest oh my gosh it's crazy and but he says my god jim it's them the terrorists they're here but instead of fighting he says, I'll keep in touch with you and Murray uh, si- later, signing off. And he just grabs a gun and runs out into the woods to hide. And the terrorists right, come in right. and they're like, he was here. The fire's still going strong. And he's like, we'll never find him in these woods. But maybe he left us a map that'll lead us to where we really want to go. It's like, how mm-hmm. are you connecting the dots on that one? I, I just, I would love to hear right. the, uh, the investigation behind that one. And then all of a sudden, one of the terrorists picks up uh, a piece of slate he says, and he says, mm-hmm. a phone number was erased on this slate, but by crumbling some chalk dust onto it, the dust catches on the slightly greasy, invisible outline left by the erased number. Ah, here it comes. And I'm thinking, Haney had a chalkboard and chalk there, and he had a number on it, and then he erased it before you showed up, but you knew this. What? Oh yeah. Goodness, this is insane. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> this, is a, this is a thing, though, for... Uh, having read, you know, lots of Silver Age Justice League this year, you you know, these huge leaps of logic are pretty much bread and butter mm-hmm. for Silver Age stories. Yeah. Um, and you, and they make you go like, 
because you and even to the point of like there being a story apart at the end, it's like and look like the, the heroes are all gonna be defeated, but it's like, oh no, I you know, Green Lantern, I took care of that because I figured this thing out, you know, back on page two. So I did all this other stuff to uh make it so we could win at the end. And mm-hmm. I just knew to do that because just because. Um <laughs> and you know, it, it's so when seeing it here, I've actually kind of accepted that as a no here it's not as bad but it's still uh it for back then it's like it's it feels like lazy writing it really does honestly <laughs> it feels like just crazy lazy writing. but you know here it's like he's trying so hard to give an explanation for it so it's like it's so it's good natured here even to the point where uh when i think overly much about uh bat god in the modern mm-hmm. day it's like mm-hmm. no it's not actually like a new thing they're just taking those silver age tropes and saying, no, Batman actually is that smart that he actually does think about through all these things. That's why he can beat everybody. Mm-hmm. And they just turned just turned it into a it's not a trope, it's a superpower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then what? I, love, I love how the terrorists then they call leader one. We've got a Paro's phone number where he's holed up. And then over the phone, number one says, Good work. One of our members is an ex phone company employee. He can track where a paro is from the phone number. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay. He works for AT&T <laughs> in his spare time when he's not terrorizing. But oh, I did. Make oh, yeah. A this, we do this see is the big, a bolt before on the here. big. This is before the big uh, company breakup. So all the information is in one place. <laughs> so yeah, we have a. Uh, we do get a. a, a front shot here a face of uh, murray mm-hmm. bolton off and yeah you know mm-hmm. jim so apparel calls him since haney's on the run out in the woods with his dog and his rifle and uh bolton off finishes off the story and says okay jimmy here goes and then we see uh apparel he's drawing a panel of batman talking to rock and batman says can't get anything out of him because they caught one of the terrorists and rock right. says let me have him for a minute and <laughs> the guy says you're wasting your time tin soldier some mm-hmm. really tough Nazi troopers said the same thing, but they all spilled their guts, pal. And that's what Rock says to him. And he he takes him into this room at police headquarters, and there's yep. a rat in a cage at police headquarters. What in the world is going on here? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and he he tells the guy it has rabies, and if it bites you, you're gonna get rabies. And he shoves the guy's face right up against the cage, and the guy starts to squeal. I'll talk. I'll talk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> See, again, it's just crime noir almost, you know, mm-hmm. or hard edged, um, you know, Magnum Force kind of story uh, <laughs> mixed in with this insanity of the DC creators. Uh, just wow. Mm, yeah, just I love wow. it. It's great too because then uh, they leave the station and Batman says, Rock, you're something else. That rat wasn't rabid. And he goes, yeah, but that creep didn't know. Come on. He told us where we'd find the whole rotten outfit. And the two of them jump in a police car, not the Batmobile, a police right. car. And there's Batman driving the police car with Rock uh, mm-hmm. riding shotgun. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it. Uh, he forgot to bring the Batmobile over to the police station, I guess. It just looks insane. But the yeah, way it's... It, and it's a green police car. Gotham doesn't have green police cars. That What? <laughs> at least maybe it's just on the digital maybe it shows more green on the digital than within a the original uh, mm. maybe the artwork is a little bit making make it look it looks very lime green on the digital so it's like ew <laughs> that does not that does not scream gotham city but yeah mm. the two of them the two of them driving in a police car especially batman doing the driving yeah yeah that's a whole look i love it 
Yeah, it's awesome. I really love that panel. And then the next panel we see, there's our buddy uh, Jim Aparo, and he's thinking, okay, the good guys are closing in on the bad guys. I'll take a break, then call Murray back for the windup. It's like, um, now all of a sudden you think you have all the time in the world, and he looks out the window, and he mm -hmm. sees, uh-oh, here come the terrorists in a boat blasting towards the lighthouse. But luckily enough, he's like, somehow they found me the rock barrier, they won't be able to pass over it until high tide. So I guess it was high tide when he showed up there. Right. <laughs> oh, my god. So gosh. that means it was that means it was what a whole day ago. Yeah, because isn't that like a 24 hour thing? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> high tide was once every 24 hours. So it's like mm. he's been in here a long time and and uh, Chuck has not been back. It's like, mm. oh, what's happened to Chuck? What no. has happened to Chuck? I need to know. And <laughs> no, apparently I don't need to know because Chuck never appears in this issue. Uh, mm -hmm. Now we never see who he was, but yeah, he's on. He tries to call Murray. That gives me 20 minutes. Murray's got to give me the solution fast. Wait a minute. His line's busy. And then the next panel shows Murray. Yep. Uh, he's getting some uh, a snack out of the uh, refrigerator and it says, not really, Jim. Just his phone's slightly off the hook. <laughs> I love it. And and, mm. and the people who have cell phones nowadays, you don't appreciate that this was a thing that could happen now back then. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, you actually had to get the phone completely on the hook to make sure the line was was disconnected so the calls could come through. And your cell phone doesn't have that option anymore. It's like if you either press the you you press the red dot or the green dot and you're just <laughs> you know, the red dot means you're done. Uh, mm -hmm. And if the person on the other end hits the red dot, it's done. So you don't have to worry about this anymore. But it's like, no, this is a thing. So it's kind of funny to see that there. And also just with something as important as this, that no, Murray didn't pay more attention. Murray, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You're the editor. I think it's a little knock on Murray as the editor. That he didn't, <laughs> he's not paying enough attention. A little bit of a knock on him. Hmm? <laughs> Could be. And then we switched the next page. And <laughs> this is great, too. Haney wandered out from the wilderness to a payphone in town, and there's his dog and his gun leaning up against the payphone. And <laughs> yeah, this is great. And I guess he's calling Jim, and he's like, "No time to explain, Jimbo. Can't stay here long. Quick, fill me in." And he's like, "Okay, Bat and Rock have found the terrorist hideout, secret lair." And that's when uh, we see Batman and Rock, and they're like, "Hey, let's uh, jump." Just they get to the hideout, and there's nobody there. And then they're like, mm "Hmm." Oh, there's a they're, they're headed for a tiny island, so they know the terrorists are heading for a paro. So they use a, uh, a helicopter that just, you know, just sitting there waiting for a copter rides for what does it say? 15 bucks. Wow. Right. And they just that like, is, yeah, we're just going to cheap. We're going to steal this helicopter. And they take that and go zooming after them. And <laughs> they're closed in on the uh, boat with the terrorists and a, mm -hmm. a, fi a firefight breaks out here. But luckily, in a moving helicopter, Sergeant Rock can shoot the boat and he shoots out the uh, the rudder cable. So then they can't steer the boat. So this boat just starts going wild, like in all these mm -hmm. S turns. <laughs> but they do hit the copter and it's going to explode, of course. So then Batman and uh, Sergeant Rock jump out and into the boat from a moving helicopter and kick right. the crap out of the uh, terrorists. It's great. <laughs> and yeah, because and they can. Well, you know, Batman has his floaty cape. So mm -hmm. you can almost believe that he can glide himself a little bit and, and control his fall. How is Rock not dead <laughs> landing on a boat? <laughs> While it's moving. Head, head first, because he lands with his with his gun out first. You know, he's basically horizontal. 
when he's heading mm-hmm. there. It's just, that it's, but it's like, no, no, that's that's how that's comics. That's how that works. You yeah. Know, but you know what's also said? I've. I don't know if I really, if I really, I must have connected. I probably connect this the first time I read it, but it's hard for me to remember. I put it together just reading, rereading it. Maybe I gloss over it too much. The fact that, yeah, they're. The terrorists are driving towards the lighthouse that Apero is in. Mm-hmm. And Batman and Rock are here to save Apero from the terrorists. And that Apero is drawing them saving him. It, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> my head. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> It's before insane. we get too far, before we get too far into it, I wanted to back up real quick to page fifteen because I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, a pair of sweaty face in the lower right hand corner when he's got you know his glasses got just a oh, close yeah. on, on the side of his face and the, the sweat coming down right behind his glasses like, oh, uh, why does he call me? He's got to. It's like, oh yeah, that's that's great. A pair of sweaty face. That's a great page. All those panels are really good. Even just mm-hmm. the phone when it shows Murray Boltonoff had his refrigerator is really good. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's zoomed in on the phone ringing and Aparo's hand going for it. Like, yeah, those are really good. But that, yeah, the close up on his face, that's the best panel of the whole page for sure. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. But yeah, uh, so Batman and Rock beat the snot out of these terrorists. And Rock even has his gun pointed at the one guy's face and says, surrender or be blasted. <laughs> wow rock rock is a savage man and then a power up in the lighthouse whoo it's over i'm safe and then we see and it's again murray bolton off walking up the stairs had the phone off the hook but i got through to jim and found bob had solved the situation now for some sleep and then there's bob haney walking away from a phone booth that now it looks like it's in the middle of the forest not in the middle of right. town like it was before it's like <laughs> what in the world and then oh but here we go. The very final panel, the end. And there's a peril asleep at the drawing board and a bunch of Z's. <laughs> now, also got to give a give a shout out to the caption for Murray's panel. And now mm-hmm. some distance away in his heavily mortgaged mansion, <laughs> heavily mortgaged. <laughs> Are they trying to insinuate Murray's in over his head or what? Here? <laughs> oh, no. I don't, or, or Murray complains about it a lot. That's why I'd be willing to bet. Maybe. Oh yeah. Oh, this, this, fantastic. The wrap up is the wrap up. Nice, short, and sweet, and and obviously does not answer any of our questions as it shouldn't. No, as <laughs> and, most Haney and, comics do not. <laughs> right, and the the end is in the drawn artwork under uh, a Paro's arm, sleeping, not <laughs> in the lower right hand corner of the actual panel on mm-hmm. the pa- on the page we're reading. So yeah. it's like. Yay! <laughs> such a <laughs> such a beautiful touch. You know, it's like it's like no, we're still we're still holding to this uh <laughs> to this fantasy that mm. you no, know, it's all happening on the pages that Apero is drawing, that we're seeing drawn in the comic book by the drawn Apero. And, uh, <laughs> mm. You were talking earlier about a time machine and not a DeLorean. Well, if I had one, right. guess where I'm going? Back that. to the seventies. <laughs> Where I can be at a uh, brainstorming uh, a, or a phone conversation between Aparo and Haney about these kind of comics. That would just right. make my day. That's that's that would be better than winning the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, overall, this is like we said, it's a crazy issue, but it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it is so much fun to read. But uh, so. All right. Now, one thing I want to do is, you know, starting a tradition here with episode one is. 
What is your favorite, and then I'll say mine, uh, favorite, you know, Haneyism from this uh, comic, whether it's just a line of dialogue or a scenario? Mm. What's, what, what, if you had to pick out just even one thing that is just the craziest or most fun thing for you, what would it be? Oh, golly. Let me, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. That's a really well, good question. I'll um, give you a minute. I'll you go, give you a minute. You go, you go of, first. But yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm, it's, it's only like, you know, 300 panels in here to choose from. So, uh. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I have mine. It's, and we just talked about it literally a minute ago. It is without a doubt, hands down. And there were so many crazy things in this comic. You could pick a million things, but to me, it mm -hmm. is what we had just talked about where it shows that panel of Murray Boltonoff going up to bed and that caption box that says, and now some <laughs> distance away in his heavily mortgaged mansion. It's like, mm -hmm. what in the world? Like, I know Jim's uh, apparel is the letterer, but, you know, Haney's the story guy. So I would love to know whose idea was that? Like, is that a, is that all Jim? You know, is he just doing those captions himself? Or, you know, did Haney say, mm -hmm. hey, guess what? Guess what we should do? Murray's always, you know, whining about his mortgage. <laughs> Let's put that in there. <laughs> Something like that. Like, oh, that is, like I said, I got to the very end and I'm like, oh, I love this. I love that. But when I got to that part, I thought, oh, that's it mm -hmm. for me. That's that's that is that's it for me. Number one. <laughs> gotcha. Well, it's I'll have to just go like the, the the easiest thing is the first thing that gets me in this book, which is um, on the numbering of the comic page six. And it's because that's the panel when Jim Aparo's first appearance happens, because mm. this changes the story completely. Mm -hmm. We've gone from a from an action adventure or, or noir kind of story straight into mind-bending uh <laughs> insanity <laughs> insanity it's like there's there's no way from one way to the other here um and i got more thoughts on the story overall but i'm not going to get into that just yet i just want just but yeah just calling us here is like because here we have batman and rock and like they just they we've seen them at the locker and the next you open and the next page when you turn the page top panel it's like at this very moment in the quiet connecticut studio of jim Apero, famed artist it's like Wait, you did what? <laughs> <laughs> the oh my cognitive gosh. dissonance is so strong, you, you know. That's why. That's why I'm all at a struggling for words so much. Just going through this, it's even you know. I'm, as much as I tell myself, just go with it and enjoy it. Cognitive dissonance is just rattling in my brain, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. like a hamster at the wheel. It's just, it's just amazing. Yeah, trying to. Not really synopsized, but trying to relay what's going on in a Haney comic is not an easy thing to do, especially when it has that, right. you know, mm -hmm. jump, jump the shark moment. Like like you just mentioned, when Aparo is on, you know, you turn the page and at this very moment in a quiet Connecticut studio, Jim Aparo, famed artist, you're like, wait, what? That's there's a moment like that in every Haney comic. <laughs> right. And because, you know, a close second is the, the very last scene, because here the terrorists are closing it on the lighthouse. Mm -hmm. Batman and Rock are, are jumping out of the helicopter. Could Haney look, no, Haney, could Apparel look out the window potentially and see the helicopter and, and see Batman and Rock out there while he's drawing the things happening? On, <laughs> or, did he, or did he have to draw it ahead of time to be able to see it? <laughs> we don't, and we don't know. And we, and we aren't, and we shouldn't know because mm -hmm. that would ruin it either way. 
Yep, it's better. My not brain knowing. just goes. <laughs> it's it's definitely better off not knowing for me. <laughs> oh, so, amazing! All right, but yeah, that was a good one. Oh, yeah, so everybody, get out there and get Brave and the Bold one twenty four. If you want to do single issues, oh, yeah. definitely this is one you can start with because you'll you'll get it. What we're talking about right from the beginning, mm-hmm. you'll be like, oh, now I see how crazy this is. But uh, all right, well, let's transition into talking about what you have going on right now. So why don't you talk a little bit about your show, which like I alluded to at the beginning, you know, is a uh, tangentially related to brave and the bold. You betcha. So my show is the outcasters. It's a Batman and the outsiders podcast. Uh, we're on the right on network with a W for right. Um, and we're covering the 1980s series from the very beginning, written by Mike W. Barr, drawn by Jim Apparel. Um, mm-hmm. We've just finished this second year of the series so we're starting to get into the third and now the artwork is now taken on by alan davis we're getting to the Mm. alan davis era and that's already pretty great so uh, that's our my show where i'm the host aj wright is a co-host and we have sarah century as our frequent guest it's been fantastic with them you can follow us on twitter at bat outcasters but you can find us on the if you'd search in your pod catchers for right on network with a W you'll find us right there because we also have on the same feed, the hunters podcast feathers and foes, a birds of prey podcast, and another show I'm on, which is the Batgirl Cassandra Kane podcast with AJ as well. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Tim price one seven. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And I always look for, I don't read a lot of modern comics, but when I always see there's episodes of, silver bronze or even like copper age 80 stuff i always tune mm. into them because they're a lot of fun like that one point there was some justice league uh covered on the show and i enjoyed it from i think it was bronze age justice league if i'm not mistaken but anytime basically there mm-hmm. was a huntress appearance uh, i would always look for it because they're all yes good. yes they, the, the hunter show covers both helena wayne and helena bertinelli and mm-hmm. they'll go back and forth between them one episode of each so yeah the huntress Helena Wayne appearances have had several crossovers into the Justice League appearances. So it's the JLA, JSA crossovers. So yeah, those have been really great. I haven't read, I'm reading those for the first time. A lot of them, especially some of them I've read before, just a little bit, just like here and there, but Mm -hmm. not consistently. Um, So that's been a fun exploration as well. So you can get some really old, you know, bronze age books there and you can get some more Mm -hmm. modern slash 90s dark age books in the helena the hunters podcast yeah that's one where there's something for everybody newer readers older readers even people that still read that have been reading since then there's something for everybody on that one so definitely check it out and like you said definitely check out uh, the outcasters because uh i don't think has there ever been a uh batman and the outsiders uh show like that before i don't know that there has been i did some looking i didn't really see one but uh, there's a sh- there's a show out there, and I forget its name. I apologize for not knowing your name. I'm sorry. That has covered various issues of them. Yeah, uh, but not an index show. But yeah, not a not an index show per se. Yeah, I didn't think so because when it first popped up, I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Because I probably have I think the first ten or twelve issues of Batman and the Outsiders, maybe even fifteen, mm-hmm. and then. But I have the app, too, which is a godsend. So I, anytime I need something that I don't have, I can look on there for it as well, which is a huge help because, you know, I know people will knock it because there's some gaps and things that aren't on there. But overall, mm-hmm, yeah. I, I, I think it's a great app. I love it. And I, I'm glad I have it because I'm just so far behind 
everyone else with DC <laughs> comic reading. It, it, it's an easy way to catch up, which is cool. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's also a great resource for new to you comics. It's like mm -hmm. maybe I'd never read this before, but it's and it's been out for a long time. It's like I just never read it. And it's yeah. an opportunity to, to see those stories and, and consume them for the first time, like my Justice League a day read through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it's been it's been great fun. Yeah, and especially with how pricey the back issue market has gotten, you know, Silver Age, Bronze Age. <laughs> oh, it's so much oh, easier yeah. and, you know, less expensive to just hop right on the app and read whatever you want, whenever you want, which is great. Love it. Can't get enough. So, all right, Tim. Well, thanks for joining me, buddy. I appreciate this. Um, like I said, episode one, you always have to have the uh, frequent uh, flyer miles with the podcasters. <laughs> you can not only be found on all those shows you mentioned, but plenty of other networks as well. Fire and water here and there, jumping around with, you know, all sorts of different shows and hosts and talking comics, which is awesome. Uh, every time I see uh, the uh, show notes and I see you're on there, that's definitely something I'm looking forward to. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Although my nickname, the pod crasher is, you know, has, <laughs> has two meanings. You know, one it's, I crash into people's podcasts oh, mm -hmm. uh, and thank you for letting me crash in yours right away. So it, I think you were like trying to pull the bandaid off quickly. I better just get Tim in here now. Get it over <laughs> uh, Cause the other thing, other meaning for that though, is that, you know, does the podcast crash and burn because of my, uh, I'll leave that to your decision. <laughs> but thank well, you so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. And I, and you know, this issue is a new favorite for me. So I had a great time talking about it. Awesome. Well, yeah, again, I'm a huge fan, brave and the bold and, uh, you know, Hey, maybe there'll be another kooky one we can talk about together down the road. Here. We'll, we'll have to do some plotting. <laughs> I have some ideas. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be a secret though. Well, this is like a, we're, we're, we're going to draw and plot a Haney comic in the background here. It's going to be a secret and it's going to be crazy. So get ready. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I wonder if Jim Apero is drawing us right now. Mm, that, he, uh... he might be in a, in a, in a Connecticut home of the famous, <laughs> artist <laughs> so great so all right yeah once again tim thank you for being on and uh, i will be back in a second after a quick promo break here to wrap up the show the justice league wouldn't help them so batman formed a new team they are the outsiders we are the outsiders Covering Mike W. Barr's series into its third year, where change is in the air. A new member joins, an original member leaves, old and new threats, and the deadliest man alive. Oh, and more puns. The Outcasters is a Batman and the Outsiders podcast. Look for us under the Right On Network. That's W-R-I-G-H-T on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Or listen at our website, thehunterspodcast.com, and follow us on Twitter at Bat Outcasters. Join the Outcasters. Because to live outside the law, you must be honest. Okay, everybody, that wraps up uh, episode one of The Brave and the Bob. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening in and you know supporting this uh, new adventure here, this new show. And I want to thank Tim. You know, Tim Price is a great guest, great guy. And yeah, you're going to hear from him down the road again, you know, of course. I'm uh, going to have a lot of guests return because it seems like there's a, a lot of, you know, love for uh, the title The Brave and the Bold. And 
even some uh, zany haney love out there aside for myself as well so looking forward to talking to uh, many new guests and uh, hopefully every two weeks uh, on wednesdays i'm going to get this show out there and you know we're going to see where it goes so once again thanks everybody for listening take care <laughs>